Hi, I'm Leanne. I'm a light worker and a mother to three special girls. I strive to continue learning, growing, and to collect new skills. I'm a psychic medium, Reiki master teacher, and a Kashuk record reader and energy healer. I am so excited to share what I've learned and what I'm going to learn and the ups and downs of life. Thank you for joining me on my journey. Welcome to Life of a Lightworker podcast. Hello. I am so excited that I got to have Avery on this episode. Early in her career as an ICU registered nurse, Avery noticed that the majority of the reasons her patients found themselves in the ICU were because of illnesses and diseases that could be linked to chronic stress. She made the decision to get out of the reactive side of medicine in 2015 and started building her business to help high achievers prevent and reverse the negative health effects of stress. Despite practicing what the research shows was effective, Avery experienced a significant episode of burnout at the end of 2018, and this left her with a chronic illness and disability. Frustrated that she was doing everything right and it still didn't prevent burnout, Avery dove back into her research and looked more carefully at her own habits and beliefs and found the missing pieces of the puzzle that truly prevented burnout. Avery is a beautiful soul and she has two podcasts, The Truth About Burnout and Inner Stillness, Outer Chaos. Thank you for joining this chat with Avery. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so pleased that you decided that you wanted to be on my podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I just feel like there's such synergy. So I really want to just see where our conversation takes us. Absolutely. I love that. I would love to start by learning more about you. And let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Uh, I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, but moved when I was three months old. So I've grown up in Calgary for most of my life. Um, And, you know, like there's a lot of formative experiences that I think all of us have of children where they have really changed how we show up as adults. And so some of them are serving and some of them are sabotaging. And really a lot of the work that I've done, especially recently, has really been looking at finding the right balance for those different things. And I think that's something that is really easy for us to look back at our childhood and experiences and say like, oh, there was so much struggle and trauma and awful. But when we can see it on that scale of serving to sabotaging, it really shifts the perspective to more objective one, which is something that I really, really resonate with. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. On the, some people, well, a lot of people don't understand the serving to sabotage scale. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the ways that I think helps it become really clear is when we talk about it with the lens of anger. So anger is this emotion that a lot of people say is negative. It's an unhelpful emotion, but really anger can serve you just as well as it can sabotage you. So it's all about how you process that anger. So for me, for a very long time, and it's something that I still have to be very careful with, anger really pushes me into 
more of the fawn response for stress. And that's where I try and make sure that everybody's okay and everybody's happy and the people pleaser kicks into overdrive. So when I experience anger from someone else, it sabotages me in a lot of ways. But I can start to see somebody else's anger as, oh, they're either triggered or there's something going on or there's something that needs to change because maybe their anger is valid and we actually need to address something. So by able to see it on that scale, it allows you to, again, take that step back and see it as serving versus sabotaging. Oh, I love that. Like it's changing the lens, changing the perspective, seeing it in a different light. Absolutely. And not putting those labels of good or bad, positive or negative, because anger is just anger. Right. All of our experiences are just the experiences. It's just the meaning that we attach to it that's where it now starts to impact us. And so we can just see it as this fluid experience, then it really just allows for more depth of that human experience. I love that. Because I don't know how many of us were told as kids that anger was bad. And there's good emotions and bad emotions. And some you can express and some you have to repress. And then as adults, we have to retrain ourselves. Absolutely. And I think especially as people that are highly sensitive, either in more of a metaphysical way or a more emotional way, or maybe a little bit of all of the things, often you grow up with these experiences that you're too much or Mm -hmm. you're crying too often or you're too sensitive or there's too many things happening. And you're just like, but this is just me being who I am. And so one of my deep experiences that I've really had to work at healing and releasing is that whole idea that emotions are too much. And I got to the point where I numbed myself really to everything so that I accepted a lot of behavior and treatment that I never would now and that I really shouldn't have, but all because I just thought all emotions weren't good. They weren't good for other people to have to see me experience those emotions. And now that is completely out the window. And my partner and I, we have an emotional safe word. So if I just need to cry, and I don't really know why, I can just say, these are underdog tears. Just go with it. And then he knows it's okay. It's like, she just needs to cry. Don't need to fix it. Don't need help. Just let it happen. Just let it happen. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love how you were saying um, being too much. And that's something that me, I'm personally working on right now. I just had a somatic therapy session and part of it was just like being too much. I'm too much. And just the, working with those emotions and those limiting beliefs from when you were a kid being told mm-hmm. that you're just too much in whatever circumstance. And I think that's really, really common. Um trauma or trigger or belief or limit that we place upon ourselves or get placed on us um for most people I really feel it's kind of a epidemic I think so too and it's so interesting I'm sure that when people meet me and especially when I have met you and think of you Leanne too much is not anything I would ever describe you as and I think When we feel like we're too much or when someone Mm -hmm. says that we're too much, it's likely because we've triggered something in them. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't free us from the responsibility of that. 
because we still need to own that oh yeah i definitely triggered that person because uh, then the next time we interact with them we can help to manage the trigger and i think that's a really important piece of the puzzle that especially pop psychology on instagram is missing because it's all about it doesn't matter about how the other person responds to your boundary like that's on them it's not on you it's mm-hmm. just like yeah but if you deliver the boundary in a way that's respectful and aware of the different triggers that the other person could have it's going to be better overall yes i i completely agree and for me personally i don't know where it stems from but when there is a difficult situation i tend to code it in love and my words and everything i try to deliver it in a way where it's not going it's going to be a warm blanket not a harsh rock Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I need to figure out where I got that from, but I find it really helps the outcome, um, the delivery, and in general, if you just talk to people with love, then it it really changes your tone and the energy, and it's so much, it's received so much better. Absolutely. I had a point in my career where I I was a registered nurse working in intensive care units. And I remember there was patients that I would come on shift and the nurse prior to me would be like, oh, you know, like they're disagreeable and their family's very difficult and all of this. And then you'd go into the room just being like, okay. So all in my experience, all that really needed to happen was that family and that patient needed to be heard. They needed someone to actually listen and show that they understand, or at least are trying to understand where some of that anxiety is coming from, because then everything's fine. And it may not be how they wanted it to be, or maybe it's not even possible to even get close to that, or maybe the outcome is still going to be a terrible and a sad outcome. But we just have to understand that there's multiple angles and perspectives and traumas and experiences in every interaction and just deliver with compassion yeah yeah I love that and what popped in my mind when you were talking about like a patient type situation they just want to be in the know yeah yeah that's all like communication right that's all it always comes back down to that doesn't it like a lot of all of those interactions and the struggles really can just be smoothed over if everybody just feels heard. Yes. Oh, that's like so universal. I'm just yeah. like my like popping in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, talking with my husband, talking with my kids, talking with your friends, like dealing with like school teachers or doctors and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's just delivering it in a way that other people can understand it. And like that, and if as long as you're not attacking they're not going to defend. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you have to be soft with it. You can still be incredibly firm and really strict with the boundaries of what you need, want, will accept, will not accept. But there's a big difference between this is the way it's going to be and you just got to get used to it. Or this is what I need and I understand it's going to be a struggle for you. But let's see how we can support both of us to have this boundary met. Totally different. Totally different. I it, I feel like the second requires uh, some coaching, some training, 
And a lot of us weren't uh, given that as children. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. The adult learning curve is so much bigger than learning how to meal plan. <laughs> you it know? Is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is how you cook. This is how you do laundry. You have to set an alarm clock to go to your job. That's it's way more than that. <laughs> yes. This is how you deal with anger. This is how you navigate difficult situations without just avoiding them and shutting everything down. Yeah. Like these are all the things that I feel like as a group of humans, we're evolving and slowly building on these skills. But we have to remember that, you know, our parents were part of that evolution. And so they've also grown from their parents' generation. But we just have to understand that we're all evolving as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Each generation is a step in the right direction. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, that's the goal. That's my goal for my kids. I'm like, be better than me. And then like, that's your, or at least I want to do better than my parents. My parents were definitely better than their parents and so on and so forth. So um, as long as you try, I guess, is maybe part of it. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I think effort goes a long way. Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like effort has a lot to do with love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it can all boils down to love. That's beautifully said, Leanne. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Okay. Um, it's, it's too simple, but it's simple is the best sometimes. Yes. But simple is also hard to implement sometimes. It is. It's too broad. Like for some people to like put it into place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's it's hard. It's a tricky one. (laughs) Yeah. But here we are solving the world's problems. Exactly. All it takes is love. Really. True though. Yeah. It's just uh, many different ways that you can put it into practice. Mm -hmm. So true. I would love to hear about your journey from childhood to now, as far as your spiritual journey. Um, and how it's evolved along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up with religion being important, um, but not incredibly important. So it was kind of a blend, but my mother's side was Catholic and my dad's side was Christian science. So not Scientology, but Christian science. They don't believe that they're immortal, but there's a lot of overlap between those two. but really, it just the structure of that religion never really seemed to sit well with me, but I went with it. And then for a number of years, I played the piano for church choirs and uh, found that that was helpful to keep me interested in the idea of it. But after some really difficult experiences, being in more of the leadership side of a community church, um, I fell out hard with organized religion. And I actually, over the years, sort of learned in different modalities, and I've tried energy healing and Reiki and reading cards, and uh, of course, yoga is also a very spiritual practice. But over time, I've realized that I'm absolutely not a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. I'm a philosophical person, because I believe strongly in personal responsibility And I see a lot of spirituality, not all of it, of course, but a lot, really putting the ownness on the universe, source, destiny, 
something else is guiding you this way. And I'm like, but why, why that? So yeah, that's kind of how it's evolved over time. And so now I really study and live in the Taoist and Vedic philosophies. Mainly Taoism is what I study and live by the Taoist philosophy. That's beautiful. I've heard of it, but I really haven't dived too much into it. Could you give a little bit of information for the people listening and myself, uh, a little baby introduction to what Taoist philosophy is? Yes, absolutely. So uh, the main book that really talks about it, and there's a, a number of different translations, it's called the Tao Te Ching. Okay. And it's written verbally and passed down over years by Lao Tzu. And basically, the whole tenet of it is that there is this possibility that is available to everyone, and that is the Tao. So it's this energy, this possibility, this life that we can all tap into and all work with, but it's when we try and swim upstream that life gets a lot harder. And so really it's about disconnecting from what we wanted, what we think should be, how all of those pieces fit together and really just moving with the flow. And so one of the the interpretations that I really enjoy is written by John McDonald. And it this whole book, regardless of the translation, reads like a poem. Like it's just mm-hmm. so beautifully written. And they choose to have the the speaker, the master, the person that's really working with the Tao presented as a woman, which is very unique for a lot of philosophical discussions Mm. um, that often default to more of a, a male gender. And so the reason why he chose this is he said that, especially in Taoism, you work with the balance between dark and light yin and yang feminine and masculine but the master will choose the less likely of the two and will work with that energy just to really push themselves so that's why they focused in on the feminine so yeah really what the central aspect of it is that there's this beautiful possibility that if we trust and can go with the flow that all of us can access yeah i love that it's so it's simple but very profound I think it could have big impacts to many parts of your life and I can see that part of it um, thread throughout all sorts of other parts so I can see the common themes in lots of things just a lot of the other areas of spirituality there's just more added to it Mm -hmm. more uh, it starts to get Maybe if you are just starting, overwhelming or convoluted, or you don't see that main thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. And I was wondering if, so is there is there a certain point in your life that you can look back on? And when you think of her at that moment, is there something you would say now to her that would help her on her path either calm the fears calm the anxieties or lend a hand Um, when would that be about and what would you say to her 
Beautiful. I love this question. And I actually did some an exercise like this on my own podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago where I wrote letters to different ages of myself of what I would want that person to know. And so the the time that really sticks out for me is I had been working as a nurse in an ICU um, for about seven years and I was coming off the night shift and I looked the charge nurse in the eye and she was like, oh, you do not look well. Like, go home, feel better. I'll mark you down as sick for your shift tonight. Feel better. It will be okay. And so then I went home and I slept for 20 hours. And then I slept for 20 hours the next day and the day after that. And that was the start of a journey where my health and my life really turned on a dime. And there was a moment where, especially after the pandemic hit, where I felt completely disconnected from my body and who I was. And I just couldn't reconcile any kind of compromise between what I was capable of now versus what I was even just six months ago. And so that person that really felt so disconnected, I would tell them to trust their gut because early on in that journey, I had been thinking like, I think I just need a fresh start. I need to not be, try and find the middle ground for this person. And it took me about two and a half years to get there. But eventually I decided I needed that fresh start and I decided to change my first name. And so I went from Heather to Avery. And so if I could have chatted with the version of me that was six months into the struggle and let them know you should just do it. It's going to suck. It's going to be a lot of work. You should just do it. I think yeah. that would have helped me a lot, especially yeah. in that time. Yeah. Don't drag it out. Just jump yeah. in. And trust yourself. You keep getting these like nudges to go in that direction. Just do it. It's so hard for a lot of people to trust their intuition. Like all of us are getting these little nudges and pushes and guidance all the time. But so many of us are just ignoring them, brushing them off. And our lives would be so much easier if we listen to them because then we could go the direction that our souls are telling us to go. Mm -hmm. And that's Absolutely. going with the flow, like going to where yes. we're guided to go. And it's, it's a shame, but I think more and more and more people are starting to listen and then, or at least want to listen. Mm -hmm. And then when you, as soon as you have that want, then you start to learn and then it gets exciting. Yes. Yeah. And I think the thing especially that I've noticed, is that our intuition, it rarely speaks in a loud voice. So we have to create enough space to notice that quiet voice. Yeah. There's a really interesting story about someone that really listened to their intuition where everything else was saying, like, what are you talking about? So there was this fireman. Uh, he was a New York City fireman. And there's been a lot of study and research that's come out after this uh, incident. But he was a fire chief. He'd been around for a long time. And he was there fighting a fire in a building. And then he was like, everybody out. Everybody out right now. 
everyone was like, what are you talking about? Like, we've got the supports in place or whatever. He's like, out, everybody out. So he brought everybody out and within 30 seconds, the entire building collapsed. And the the incident response com- committee was trying to figure out like, how did you know? Because all of your meters and technology was saying everything's fine. Like, how did you know that this was about to happen? And so they searched and searched and searched and finally figured out that everything had gone completely silent. There was no more oxygen left for the fire to burn. And so that's what his intuition heard was the Mm. silence. And was just like, "Mm, get out the door. And so often our intuition really is just subtle interpretation of the 80,000 bits of information that's being given to us every second. But we just need to be able to step back and hear that so that we can also really create that safety for ourselves when you're when you're busy you don't have the time the energy the concentration anything to hear it's just like trying to listen to a bird when you have like really loud music in your headphones it's just not it's drowned out absolutely and I think some of the quiet that we don't realize that we need is quiet from all of the shoulds Mm. You should be doing this. You should feel this way. You should do that. And that really quiets that voice of yourself. That's like, but what about this? Why can't I do it this way? So it's not necessarily just physical quiet that we need, but even quiet within our own belief system. Yeah. I love that. Like counteracting the shoulds. Like when you hear a should, maybe question it a little bit. Maybe like, is this do I actually want this or is this something that's being placed on me that I'm Mm -hmm. now putting on myself because I've heard it so many times. So I'm like, "Mm, yeah, the shoulds. I think (laughs) a lot of us is like, oh yeah, them shoulds really. Those shoulds are the worst. Those shoulds should shut up. (laughs) They should shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm going to should you right back. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Uh, I I know you do uh, two podcasts. Can you talk about them a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So the podcast episode that I was chatting about earlier when I wrote those letters to the different ages of myself, uh, that one's called Inner Stillness, Outer Chaos. And so this is a podcast where I share a vulnerable story, a real story from my life. And then... I share the lessons learned from it and I always link it back to a song because music's played a really important role in my life. So for example, that episode where I talked to different ages of myself and what I would want that person to know and think, uh, the song that I selected for that was Little Miss by Sugarland. And so it really just sort of summarizes the same idea of really just talking to the little girl inside. So yeah, that whole podcast really brings in ancient Taoist and Vedic wisdom and ties it into some real life experiences that are the good, the bad, and the ugly gets talked about on that podcast. Um, yeah, so that one's Inner Stillness, Outer Chaos. And then the other podcast that I have is called The Truth About Burnout, because I think that a lot about what we know about stress and stress management and burnout is still through a lens that maybe isn't quite as helpful as we'd think. Mm -hmm. So we really dig into a lot of the the impacts of our society on 
our ability to manage stress, the shoulds that keep getting thrown at us. And then I also bring on other people to share their own burnout stories because there was this one uh, person and I can't remember who it was. And so if anybody's listening to this, I've been searching for this for years. If you know who said this first, please tell me because I really want to credit them. But basically this person said that sometimes we can't see the red flags because they're pointed at us. And so we only see that skinny bit of the red flag. And I feel like a lot of us that have had a burnout experience, that's the way it is. So I always on the podcast talk about how hindsight's a jerk. So we talk about what were your red flags that you wish you saw? So it helps other people become aware of their own. So that's what the truth about burnout really tries to cover. Yeah. Well, that's, I love that flag thing. Like that is so true. And it's like, or, and then you get used to seeing it there, that little Mm -hmm. sliver, and it just becomes in the background. It's not even something to be alarmed about anymore. You're so used to to it. Absolutely. Um, And that's why having somebody you trust on the outside mm -hmm. and they also know how to deliver the message like we were chatting about before. So that way it's best received by you. But having those trusted people in your life is super duper important because they can see some of those red flags that are pointed at you, but not at them. I think that goes across many aspects of your life. It's hard to see yourself clearly. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's in general, it's just from, let's say my energy healing or any sort of readings I get, I tend to go to somebody else because they see things a lot differently than I see myself. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. Uh, You need to have your community. You need Mm -hmm. to have the people around you that can show you how it actually is and not your warped version of yourself. Yeah. Everyone has a bit of a wonky mirror when they're looking at themselves. Mm-hmm. So true. So that having somebody to reflect back and see that flag is super, super important. I completely agree with that. And for your, uh, what are the other services that you offer offerings that you give out to the world oh well thank you so much for asking about that Leanne that's so kind uh so often when people kind of come into my world they start off with the flow state app so we have an app my partner and I run it together and it's in all of the app stores both Android and iPhone and we really look at creating some stress management for busy people Mm. so there's 15 minute yoga classes the meditations in there, some of them are 60 seconds. Uh, there's a daily pep talk. We do digital self-care packages. So it's lots of ways to really find those little pockets of time to squeeze in a few restorative moments for yourself. And then within that, there's also the life balance program. And that really helps you create some new habits, one new habit a week that really helps to support your overall wellness. And it's really tiny habits each week. Mm. Because it's these small, consistent shifts that actually deliver the results. And so then once people have kind of recovered a little bit of their energy, then I do have some other group programs and some options to work with me one-on-one as well, where we help you optimize your habits and really achieve that peak performance space. And then you can also work on elevating your impact by really controlling and managing the self-talk and understanding the belief systems that you grew up with to be able to bring them more into the serving side versus the sabotaging side. So 
that's kind of the main areas. Oh, I love that. I love how the app breaks it up into little pieces. And that I feel like that's like starting to create space. It's like the little wedge. It's like you do a little bit and then when you feel comfortable, you can add more. Make it or maybe it feels like you could add more. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. After you do it for two minutes, well, maybe I could try three. And you can follow your own inner guidance for what feels right for you. But mm-hmm. I love that it's broken down. You don't have to commit to like half an hour, um, which can feel overwhelming to some people. Absolutely. And depending on where you're at right now and like how close to that burnout experience mm-hmm. you are, the idea of signing up for a yoga class somewhere mm-hmm. and having to do 60 to 90 minutes, like, no, thank you. That seems so exhausting. So then can you give yourself 15 minutes? Can you do the chair version for 15 minutes? Yeah. So like it just opens up new opportunities for people that feel like they are really depleted. Right. Oh, I love that. Taking care of the people that really, really need it. Um, mm-hmm. And not just the people in between that still have the capacity to help themselves. You know? Yes. So. Agreed. Yeah. If you just heard a like angry stomach noise in the background, it's because my dog just rolled over and <laughs> sighed so happily. He was just like, oh, good. <laughs> so apologies if that oh, came so, through. Um, I probably would have been like, oh, squeaky chair, whatever. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, ah, didn't notice it. But thank you. Uh, I love that your dog is comfortable and oh, enjoying life to his fullest. Uh, and uh is there anything coming up for you in the next I don't know three months six months year that you want to talk about um that you are excited to bring into the world oh that's a fun question uh the burnout prevention summit is going to be coming up in the next couple of months here and on the summit I bring together a variety of different experts to talk about either different modalities for helping you manage your stress and prevent burnout. We're also understanding the different aspects of our life that contribute to burnout. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to me that this summit be really inclusive. So it is at least 50% BIPOC speakers. And we also try and make sure that we cover um, different genders as well so everybody on a gender spectrum or a non-gender spectrum will also be able to find someone that they can relate to here because stress is pervasive and it doesn't matter who you are how you identify you definitely deserve to get the support that you need 100 is this in person or online online yes online. and awesome. it's from experts from all across the world so it's very exciting this will be our second year running it and yeah i'm it's a lot of work but the first year put on all the foundations so now this year should be smooth sailing oh beautiful and are these things that you can you can only attend live or are there recordings for people that are in different time zones how does that work yeah so each video will come out and it'll be live and available for 24 hours and there's going to be a couple of speakers each day it only runs over three days Mm -hmm. and we also set up a summit guide for you so you can 
read through the little different descriptions for each talk and you can select the ones that you think are going to be the most helpful. And then you get personalized emails saying this one just dropped, this one's about to expire. So that way, based on whatever appeals most to you is going to be most helpful to you, mm -hmm. you'll help sort of create your own summit. Oh, I love that. You can, yeah, it's a little bit customized. It's not, here's one, here's two, here's three. It's like a bit of a pick your option type situation. Exactly. Because if you got like 15 emails over the course of three days telling you about all these different <sighs> talks and you're already burnt out, then like, oh, so no, you can only get to get the ones that you actually want to hear from. Yeah. Oh, that just, even when you're not burnt out, like 15 emails in a day from one company, I'd be like, no, no, Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have the capacity. Right. I don't have the capacity, the time, the energy. It just feels yeah, too much. Mm -hmm. So I love that you're only getting the emails on the ones that you choose and not all of them. I definitely appreciate that as mm -hmm. someone who might be watching it and getting all the emails. It's a great suggestion or great idea on your part. Mm, thank I, you. Yeah, I really like that. And um, also, what or who would be someone that you look up to or inspire you? And this could be someone spiritually, personally, professionally, um, to someone who makes makes you strive for the next step. So the person that immediately comes to mind, the person that I always said I want to be when I grow up, when I am talking now as a 39-year-old yes. woman, um, is Alicia Moore, or the artist uh, known as Pink. Oh. So yeah. she not only just owns who she is but she's okay to mess up publicly and she will just own it and talk through it uh there's a an album that she recorded and it's called the all i know so far set list and it was a live performance and she kept the errors in the recordings that go out so there's one song where she starts the song and she forgets the words and she's like no nah, i forgot the words that was awful. We just start over and they start over and read through it. And I just think it's so beautiful in today's day and age to not have everything edited to perfection. And like you and I chatted about before we went on, yes. I was like, let's keep the stumbles in there and the less than perfect wording, because I think it's really important for us to realize mm -hmm. that always doing our best doesn't mean always being perfect. There is a huge difference in there. And we need to give ourselves the grace to understand that. Yeah. Because perfect is an impossible standard. And how many of us strive for perfection and we can only be disappointed. Absolutely. And the truth is perfect's boring. Yes. Like if you have a blue sky with a yellow sun painted in the corner and a red barn and the trees and whatever, like that's boring. It'd probably be good for a couple of days, but then you're going to be like, oh, this is just normal. You need to have that rain in order to make the barn and the sun be good again. Yes. You need the contradictory parts. You need the dark and the light in order for it to, to in order to appreciate it. Yeah. Like that's, well, that's what I think is the whole reason that we have struggles is because without them, we can't appreciate when it's good. And I feel like a lot of suffering happens when we try and avoid discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. So when we can actually like lean into it and just let it happen, 
ride with it, go with the flow, live with the doubt, then we're able to experience it without getting stuck in it. We don't actually put an anchor down. Yeah. Or associate, like you said before, like anger being bad. You feel it. Yes, it's harder, but you're not like attacking it. You're just like, yeah, this is this is what it is. And then you can move on to and then when you're done with that, you go on to something else. It's not like ignoring it, hiding it, and then still dragging it with you because you've hidden it. Exactly. Like maybe look at it full in the face and say, like, what are you trying to tell me? Why are you here? Yeah. And you don't have to be, that. Yeah, you don't have to be angry. You're like, oh, why are you here? You'd be like, oh, what you doing here? <laughs> tell <laughs> me why you're angry. Yeah. It's like, like no, because maybe yeah. I can fix it. Yeah, let's have a conversation. Like exactly. Uh, Mm. Yeah, conversation within yourself, not just other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all need to do that a little bit more. <laughs> Talking to the little different parts of us, uh, you know, all the either sections, the body parts, or the different stages of our lives that we have lived, right? Because mm-hmm. we carry them all with us. So, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a p- part that's bothering us, in quotes, talk to it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> like oh, I I think we all need to do that. Just a li- or I know I need to do that a little bit more. I I did it a little bit this week, and I'm like, yeah, feel the stirs. I'm like, yeah, keep doing it. Don't stop. Yeah. Don't stop. I find letter writing exercises mm-hmm. work really well for me. Yeah. So especially if I find that like my self talk and my inner critic is like, you know, she's getting a little feisty. I'll just write. A letter to myself from my inner critic and I'll let that part of me speak and get it all out all the nasty ugly things that I'm stuck in these thoughts mm-hmm. and then I'll write that part back and be like I heard you um disagree about some of them but some of the points are really valid so let's chat about it and I have that conversation back with myself and so for me writing it down really helps actually just release it from my emotional body but it depends on the person some people find better if they do voice notes or even just like scream into the void go into a forest somewhere and just yell it's okay it's okay you just gotta let it out yeah well (laughs) it's funny we said scream I'm like or go to like a static dance class where they're like hey you can yell (laughs) just get permission Mm -hmm. to like let it out yes yes but yeah, I like the idea with the writing. So there's a lot of people that don't necessarily believe it or give any weight to their thoughts or feelings unless it's tangible. Mm-hmm. And writing it down makes it tangible. Absolutely. So I like that idea. Um, I think it would work for a, or a good starting point for a lot of people to try. Yeah, I hope so. Yes. Uh, is there anything that you want to specifically share with the audience with me about what you do or what you offer to the world or your thoughts or feelings right now I think really it's just to be gentle with yourself yeah to remember that starting small and creating small changes is what we're built for when we try and overhaul, we actually ramp up our stress response. So when you're looking to create changes in your life, really break it down to what's my smallest first step. 
because often let's say we've got this goal of climbing a mountain and we know that we're here where we are right now sitting wherever we are and the mountains all the way over there so we think that okay so the smallest first step is to start walking but actually the smallest first step is to figure out which shoes you need to buy to make sure that you're well supported so coming back to the smallest first step to get you towards the goal that you want to have and I know as a high achiever myself, the idea of like starting too small, you're just like, it'll take forever. But then I just want to ask you, how has overhauling things been going for you? Are you actually making progress? Probably not as much as you'd want. So really be gentle with yourself and remember that the smaller the step, sometimes the better it is. I love that so much I love uh giving yourself time when you want to rush because our mind doesn't always have uh the best timeline mm-hmm. as, and the best as in um maybe what's best for the body um it just wants to get things done right when we're kind of like the go-getter kind of personality yeah Blowing down it's like the shoulds kick in again. The shoulds. It's yes. You it's should the shoulds be able to tell move you. Yeah. And like the comparison of like, oh, this other person did this good, or I saw this person, or I know this person. It's like, but you're not that person. Mm-hmm. That and like, and you don't know the circumstance. Like, work with what you got right now. Yeah. And I, I, I find I've been called to go slower. Because I tend to go fast. And uh, so I'm working on slowing down, catching myself and be like, give myself some space, some time, don't rush. And uh, it's hard to hold the horses, and be like, mm-hmm. you know, slow down. But I can already feel a, it's creating more space. Yes. Yes. And it's really wonderful. And it feels more feels more expansive so much more like it just I feel I feel that connection stronger throughout the everyday and not just when I choose mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. I don't yes. have to like stop and try it's just there yes so. what you're kind of describing is the Vedic concept of Santosha oh. which which really this it's a Sanskrit word that translates roughly to acceptance Mm -hmm. and so when we talk about santosha it's not about settling and just accepting it is what it is Mm -hmm. but it's actually about noticing it as it is Mm -hmm. and so I think a lot of people and likely a lot of the people that are listening right now when we talk about gratefulness they're like oh yeah I'm grateful for this person and this thing and this opportunity and it's very easy for us to be grateful and accepting of things outside of ourselves but another aspect of santosha is turning that in so when we slow things down and take smaller steps and push ourselves absolutely to continue to make those changes but we come at it from a a more gentle perspective we're actually able to celebrate ourselves so we're able to say oh you know what i that was really hard for me to not go and get donuts today. When I walked by the staff room and I saw them on the table, I wanted those. And 
to just slow down and be like, yeah, I did that today. That's a big win. Sometimes my wins are, I got out of bed and put pants on and I didn't stay in my PJs all day. And sometimes that's the win that I need to celebrate. So really a lot of taking the smaller steps also allows you to notice and celebrate all the, that you are and all of the decisions that you make. I love that. Celebrating all the little things. It's really important. It is. And it's really hard to do. It is really hard to do. You almost have to like, reminds me of like, when my kids are really little, they do one little thing right and you just praise them. And then like, you keep doing that, but you should do that to yourself too. Mm-hmm. Don't, because I feel like we're so hard on ourselves. So hard. Uh, again, those shoulds, those shoulds yeah. should just shut up. Yeah. The shoulds um, need to shut up. Yeah. So I really like your invitation to celebrate all the little things that we should (laughs) appreciate. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. All right. And thank you so much for joining me today. I loved our conversation and I can't wait to download your app because I am definitely going to get that. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, there is a free version. So if you want to check things out and see them there, uh, my podcasts are also linked there in the app. So the app is called The Flow State. And it's sort of a teal green sort of color with an infinity symbol drawn on it. You'll be able to find it in there. You can also go to becomingavery.com and the links to the app and all of the free resources and podcasts are all there as well. Perfect. And I'll have all the links in the show notes. Okay, well, have a great day and thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me here, Leanne. This was so fun. Oh, I had so much fun too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And in the notes, you'll find all of Avery's links. And if you want to connect further, please do not hesitate to reach out. I hope you have a wonderful day and thank you for joining me.